Well, everyone, it's early in the morning. I'm in the woods, and what you can hear in the background, as well as that thrush, is a chiff-chaff singing away. So the world's a beautiful place. Happy Easter, everyone. Welcome to the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. So, that was uh, David Attenborough outside. <laughs> it certainly was. <laughs> among nature. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, I've heard loads of them. I mean, we've got... I, I went for a walk the other day, I've heard about five, six in one oh, walk. Oh, whatever. I just didn't feel the need to make a recording about it. Well, you should have done. It's so beautiful. Does it not it make you really happy hearing the birds' songs? Just... Yeah, it does actually. I mean, then the chiff chaff's coming back. That's yeah. like that is spring, isn't it? Really? Yeah. So that was nice. Yeah, yeah. So well, uh, anyway, uh, let's get back to the intro, shall we? Uh, yes, so please. welcome everybody to Hello. episode. <laughs> Not you, everybody oh, listening. Oh, thanks. Welcome everybody to episode one hundred fifty-three, Midfaith Crisis Podcast. My name Nick Page. Annoying Attenborough impersonator <laughs> over there, Joe Davis. Hello. Hello. Happy now? <laughs> Good. Hey, listen. You know that you can hear like a, a mosquito farting in the Amazon forest, i.e. squeaky chairs, which listeners couldn't possibly <laughs> pick up. What Have you noticed what you're not hearing today? I know. Look at that. That is an impressive beast. <laughs> I can see it. It is a beautiful thing. And it supports that is my a back. Big chair, does it? Is. it? Lovely, yeah. It was gaming chair, evidently, but you know, it still comes out top on all the best home office chairs. So there you I go. I thought it looked like a gaming chair. Mm. I thought, mm. you know, yeah, that and the fact that you're holding a control and trying to operate me. <laughs> well, that would be a fine thing. <laughs> no, it's really good. And I've been getting up and going to the woods in the morning. Beautiful, beautiful. Mm. Oh, so, so we're here. So it's lovely. Anyway, how are you, my friend? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, well, uh, actually, I'll be honest, I'm a bit depressed. Are you? I'm not even joking depressed. Oh, really? I'm just a bit down. Are you? Yeah. yeah. Well, I just woke up this morning and I thought, I don't want to get out of bed. And yet it's a lovely day. Yeah. It's a gorgeous day. So I think I'm just going through one of those bits, but I am looking around me and trying to see the good stuff. Um. Yeah, well, there's a lot of it about at the moment. I don't think that particularly encourages you, but, yeah, I mean, who of us is not prone to just thinking on this Groundhog Day we're living over and over again, uh, here we go again. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Talking of which, mm. last Saturday, yeah. I just discovered, uh, whilst doing some, some research for this, this episode, because we do do some. <laughs> um, not much. <laughs> it comes as a shock. Last Saturday, in some traditions, it's called Lazarus Saturday. Is it? What, before yeah. Palm Sunday? Yeah, Lazarus Saturday. Yeah. And I always think the thing with Lazarus, he must have thought, oh, here we go again. Yeah. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> he said, I just got over that death bit and now I've got to go through it again. Yeah, it's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I was just quite happy in the cave and now <laughs> I've got called out. Anyway, uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, no, yeah, a little bit down, a little bit, mm. but I'm, 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 I'm all right, really. I'm all right. Yeah, I think you're right. There is a lot of it 
a lot of it about, but there's a lot of good things about as well. So uh, we should mm. we should focus on those. And uh, what a nice link into Easter that is, because I think those, you know, if ever there's a festival in our year where those two things belong together, it is utter despair and depression and real joy. And there they are in <laughs> one festival coming up, you know, so... Well, Lots you're not it. the first person to say that to me today, in fact. I, I oh. uh, speaking to a friend earlier, a colleague, and, and, you know, he said, how are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm a little bit mm. down. And he said, well, you picked the right week for it. Yeah, he absolutely <laughs> have. Maybe you're perfectly in liturgical sync. I am always in a liturgical sync. We should get a liturgical sync, actually. That must <laughs> Wouldn't be that one. be lovely? Yeah. I used it's, to have sinkers uh, when I was a baby. Did you, did you ever get bathed in the sink when you were a kid? They well, were known, not that I remember. No, but... they were known as sinkers in were our they? household. In yeah, household? yeah, I had a sinker every night. Yeah, did the you kitchen, in the kitchen sink? Brilliant. With the scouring brush or without? <laughs> I, I can't really remember. <laughs> I mean, I know that by the time I was eighteen, my mum was saying, "Really, Joe, it's got to stop." Now. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> and, what a lovely image. <laughs> Thank you. Um, that's cheered me up. So, good. Uh, well, anyway, let's let's move on. And, um, yeah, you are right. It's Easter. It is Easter. And what an appropriate time to say thank you, thank you, thank you to all the lovely people who give to this podcast. Who'd have thought when we started a podcast five years ago, people mm. would, 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 you know, eventually, out of pity, I assume... <laughs> and possibly even to stop would give us a little bit but thank you so much people people give it a range you know one pound two pound you know we we started off by saying a cup of coffee some people give a bit more but it's just so helpful and it means that i can get an executive chair so thank you everyone well i wholeheartedly echo that i was so tired of that old ship's creaking that was going on the whole time It it wasn't as tuneful as a chiff chaff, that's for sure. But thank you, everyone. Thank you so much. Mm. And of course, if you did want to get an Easter egg for any of the presenters, please do. (laughs) The last thing we need, frankly, is more Easter eggs. No, a cup of coffee or anything. Yeah, that's so wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, well said. Thank you very much to everyone. I mean, we are very grateful for all the support. the gifts and but also the emails and yeah. the reviews and just the general encouragement it's very touching and we are i think we're always always touched by the way people share what's going on in their lives yes indeed yeah and we don't share every email because some of them aren't appropriate and some people say this is not for sharing just just mm. so you know but um yeah there's there's a few people having a bit of a really tricky time at the moment and um church leaders and what have you and our hearts are with you at this time yes you know who you are yeah yeah you know in our thoughts and prayers and Mm, uh so thank you very much for um taking us into your confidence and and telling us what's going on in your lives and in this episode we will have more feedback and more people telling us what's going on in their lives and some of it very very funny indeed (laughs) so i know who you're uh, thinking of already (laughs) talking of the feedback so we had lots of feedback on the uh names of god still coming in uh, yeah. Too much to include, really. But we, I think we do have one shortish one yeah, that yeah, we're going to fit in. Yeah, we got this one from John who says, Hi, Joe. After listening to the Margaret Metcalf interview, I was reminded that I heard someone once say that the view we have of God is the same as the view we have of our earthly fathers. 
Then on this week's episode with Dave Steele, he quoted from Psalm 139, Search me, O God. And it reminded me again of that father view theory. I see God as someone who loves me because I'm his child. He wants me to do well, but is caught up with his other children and other activities to be too bothered about knowing me particularly intimately. This is incidentally also how I saw my father when he was alive. So could there be something in that? Thank you both for the podcast. I honestly look forward to it every week. Yeah. Well, thanks, John. I think that illustrates exactly the mm. problem that we were talking about with the, the idea that any image of God, good though it might be, actually isn't the same for everybody. Nobody's experience of that image is quite the same. No, exactly. And all our parents are, are a glorious mix of the good, the bad and the ugly, just like we are. So so again, you know, we project the, the good onto God, but also I think and sometimes perhaps even subconsciously the bad and the ugly yeah. get there as well. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for that, John. Thank you for sharing. Great. And now, and I like this, a biblical thought from Toby, who wrote in and says, Dear Joe and Nick, I wanted to write to you on the auspicious occasion of the 153rd episode of your podcast. As we await what you have to say on this hallowed broadcast, this would also be the appropriate time for me to ask an important question concerning the scriptures. A question that warrants discussion on a podcast for the bewildered and which fits, I believe, with our new paradigm of abundance versus scarcity. Why, as recorded in chapter 21 of John's Gospel, often read in churches at this time of year, did the disciples miraculously catch 153 fish? Clearly, these were the fish predestined to be caught in the foreknowledge of God. And when the net was closed, there was nothing missing from their number, nor would any fish be added. But perhaps we will not know the true meaning of 153 this side of glory. It's a great number. I, th- I think it was to it was pointing to this podcast ultimately. Anyway, he says if I he says if I am to continue listening to you every Sunday night, I should like to know which school you are in with fish. Perhaps you have a favourite numerological explanation. I suggest that for you, the application of the scripture is clear. Even with 153 large episodes in the net of the podcast, the net is unbroken. The podcast is not exhausted. And we look forward to more <laughs> splendid discussions of life and godliness in him, irrespective of them, the fish, Toby. <laughs> uh, excellent. <laughs> well, what a That's, yeah, what an erudite piece of exposition there. Yes, that was beautiful. Yeah, and about as convincing as most of the other explanations of the 153 number, by the way. I knew you would have done some research into this at some point. Well, I I did know a little bit, and then I looked some other stuff up. I mean, I think... um, So it comes from a view of the Bible where every detail has a spiritual dimension. If you take that view of the Bible, which a lot of Mm. the early church fathers did, and and they learned that, in fact, from the rabbis. Mm. So, Mm. you know, it's a way of looking at Scripture where every detail matters. So um, I th- Jerome, it was, I think, who put, first put forward the theory of 153 being all known species of fish in the oh, Roman world. Really? They knew 153 species of fish. It's a great oh. theory. Yeah. It only falls down on the idea that actually the Roman world didn't think there were 153 species <laughs> of fish, as far as we can tell. We've never actually found that. So, you know, <laughs> apart from that, it's great. Yeah. Um, Augustine did a load of numerological stuff I've just discovered. He thought 153 was the sum of numbers from 1 to 17, and it's a triangular number, you know, when you've got 1 at the top and then 2, 3 on the next oh, line, really? and then 4, 5, oh, 6, okay. and it ends with 17, and it all adds up to 153. What's the importance of that? I've no idea. Well, it makes no... Well, that, and that's why there were 153 fish, because it makes a pretty triangle. Come on. <laughs> well, the Trinity... <laughs> 
Oh, please. Why not just have one, <laughs> two, three? It's ridiculous. Um, Honestly. Here's my theory, Jack. I reckon it's because there were 150 yeah, I, think, I think you might have a point. <laughs> I think it's one of the vivid details that we often get in John. He's, John he loves the like, detail. Often, <laughs> he does, but often he's sort of, you know, the the, the beloved disciple, right? John is is depicted as so sort of airy, airy, fairy, sort of wishy-washy yeah. all over the place, mystical yeah. stuff. But actually, he gives us some really specific details at points. And I think it's to do with this being a story that's passed down from one to another. And they say... There were 153 fish. That's what we saw. You know, if I was in Jesus' gang, John would not be my beloved disciple because he'd be that guy. He'd say, <laughs> hey, John, nice to see you. How are you? He said, well, funny you should ask. I came <laughs> via the road to Damascus. Now, that was very busy. And then I took the third turning off. But there was a little bit of traffic there. And then and I didn't ask that, John. Yeah. I just asked how you were. I didn't need three hours of how you got here. Of exposition. Yeah, exactly. But then amidst it, you get these lovely little details. So, <laughs> But I, I might come back to that when we talk about Easter later on. Should we get on with the feedback? <laughs> Let's do that, yeah. Okay, <laughs> let me take you to our beloved Lutheran pastor, uh, who's not keen on Luther. <laughs> this is from Lissalot, who says this. She really enjoyed listening to uh, Dave Steele, and she says this. Dave Steele's points about doing things because they are simply good, and not because we are good Christians who do good and godly Christian things, Remind me of the Sufi story, The Holy Shadow, that Rachel Naomi Remen tells in her book, Kitchen Table Wisdom. What a great name for a book. Anyway, mm. and, and so here comes the story. There is a Sufi story about a man who is so good that the angels ask God to give him the gift of miracles. God wisely tells them to ask him if that is what he would wish. So the angels visit this good man and offer him first the gift of healing by hands, then the gift of conversions of souls, and lastly the gift of virtue. He refuses them all. They insist that he choose a gift, or they will choose one for him. Very well, he replies. I ask that I may do a great deal of good without ever knowing it. The story ends this way. The angels were perplexed. They took counsel and resolved upon the following plan. Every time the saint's shadow fell behind him, it would have the power to cure disease, soothe pain and comfort sorrow. As he walked behind him, the shadow made arid paths green, caused withered plants to bloom, gave clear water to dried up brooks, fresh colour to pale children and joy to unhappy men and women. The saint simply went about his daily life, diffusing virtue as the stars diffuse light and the flowers scent, without ever being aware of it. The people respecting his humility followed him silently, never speaking to him about his miracles. Soon they even forgot his name and called him the Holy Shadow. I love that. And That's she goes, lovely. Yeah, yeah, she goes really on. Lovely. Yeah, well, uh, she's lovely. Thank you so much for that, Lisa Lott. And she says this. Uh, she goes on to say, listening to the Midfaith podcast gives such courage. You two are, what with your fountain pens, creaky chairs, love of birds and <laughs> cheese, and food and wine and sunsets, and uh, da da da, sharers of many ramblings, theological or otherwise, yourselves such scatterers of abundance, and I'm forever grateful for that. Thank you. That's very kind of you, Lisa Lotta. Yeah, it's wonderful. Ah, well, let's okay. uh, let's move on. Yeah, let's crack on. I, okay. I'm feeling terribly English at the moment. So <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, that will have, that will have uh, really hurt Nick. So thank yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Rachel says this. Uh, Hello, Joe and Nick. Thanks as ever for the podcast. I loved last week's 
episode and the interview, Heaven and Hell. It was so thought-provoking, I needed to listen to it twice. It really resonated with some of the thoughts I've been having about how this last year has changed, what I feel about church and how I do it. I'm reluctant to fall back into the same old pattern of Sunday services, although I have missed seeing the people singing the hymns and being involved. However, without the usual structure, I have found that I have had time to read more widely, travel virtually to different congregations and listen to different ideas, spend more time reflecting, journaling and growing spiritually. My house group has become a more important part of my faith journey. I've had time to explore ways of becoming more involved in my local community and I've got my ironing done on a Sunday morning, leaving the rest <laughs> of the day for spending with my family who generally don't come to church with me. I don't think I'm ready to ditch church just yet, but life has been in some ways richer without it. And then she goes on to say, I would be interested to know what other listeners think and how other people are feeling about returning to church or how they think it should or shouldn't change as a result of what we have learnt and experienced over the last year. It seems a shame to waste the opportunity for a reappraisal, but I fear we might. So there's some uh, yeah, interesting yeah. stuff there. Mm. Well, I... I resonate entirely about that, actually. I had that exactly this feeling the other day. I mean, what I'm missing with church... Yeah, I'm missing mm. the people a lot. Mm. And I'm really missing things like communion, mm. you know, and the the, the yeah. ritual. Yeah. And the place, funnily enough. Yeah. But other bits, yeah, I don't know. Because I the other morning, there was a, a Zoom church going on, you know, and I was mm. watching yeah. that. And then my neighbour to one side came out and I needed to have a word with him about something so I said to Claire I'll just I'll come back I'll catch up later on I just mm. need to go and talk to him and he was out and what he was doing was sowing wildflower seeds in his garden oh brilliant and I thought I'd rather be doing that on a <laughs> Sunday morning yeah yeah you know yeah. I felt like a really holy thing to be doing on a Sunday morning so mm. I don't know I, I feel I see exactly what Rachel's saying I, I love that yeah. line. I, I don't think I'm ready to ditch church just yet, but yeah. life has been in some ways richer without it. In a way, yeah. it could be sort of our motto, couldn't it? Yeah. But, but maybe what I would do is change the second part of that and say, I don't think I'm ready to ditch church, but life is richer beyond it. Or, yes. you know, yeah, it, it, yeah. with other bits alongside it kind of thing. Yeah. You know, sure. the, yeah. the expand it. Mm. It feels to me that's where a lot of our listeners are. I'm certainly mm. like, we began the podcast i mean i don't know what it is for you i don't think it's an issue for you is it returning to church no no <laughs> not really well I, only only in a sense that i cannot wait to be around our our table yeah. our kitchen table that's where church will that's where life happened everything yes, happens around the kitchen yes, table yes, so you know that's yeah. yeah i can't wait for that but you know we will take communion virtually you know monday thursday as ever and it will be well i had a virtual great. communion it's today yeah. it's not the same thing though, it's a bit is it? it is very although strange. my communion elements today were uh, a small glass of ginger wine oh. and uh, a rum and raisin um hot cross bun <laughs> so on. i thought that's excellent communion really in some very respects good. but right. not the same we haven't had, of course, the uh, which is the best hot cross bun conversation this year, I don't think. But we'll, 
We'll come back to it another time. Okay. Anyway, the point is, Rachel finishes with something very important, so we can't move on yet. She says this. Finally, if you are interested in mucky place names, whatever makes you think that, uh, Rachel, <laughs> Herefordshire is the place to go. We mm. had a lovely week there a few years ago, staying between Lord Hereford's Knob and Three Cocks. <laughs> <laughs> or could it have been five? It was such a lovely week that, as you do, we started looking in estate agent's windows where we found a beautiful chocolate box style house for sale called Lady Garden Cottage <laughs> oh, on that note happy Easter best wishes Rachel oh that is brilliant have you, have you ever wanted <laughs> stayed at Lady Garden Cottage <laughs> oh my oh thanks Rachel you've really cheered us up <laughs> so we have brilliant listeners Oh. We have the best. <laughs> anyway, that's good. Thank you so much for that. We better move on, hadn't we? Yeah, we better. Okay. So here's what we thought. I'm just taking over now because, you know, I'm worried about you. I don't know how to make that transition at all. Really, I don't but... know how. To, I, how do you go from Lady Garden Cottage into the deeper meaning significance of Easter? So, thank you, Rachel, on that very profound end <laughs> thought of yours. <laughs> we thought we'd talk about Easter. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> this is... Why do you we have even to... have a running order? <laughs> <laughs> you have to leave this in. <laughs> yeah, OK, all right. <laughs> so, uh, so, we're going to talk about Easter, is that right? Yes, why not? Good, because I think... Easter, rather than becoming less important to me, which I think for many years in the church it did. Mm. In fact, it became a headache because it was just like more more services to organise and the same old sort of thing. I see it as a far more dynamic thing for me now. And, um, and I'm actually really looking forward to the Easter weekend. And because we're still in lockdown, I know we can see people in our gardens now, which is wonderful. Actually, there will be space this Easter to really reflect on it. Yeah, I think that's true. I think last year, for example, Easter was a very profound experience, even though it mm. felt felt like it was going to be mm. nothing because you couldn't do yeah. anything. Yeah. Um, and I agree with you. I think it has got more importance. So let me let me ask you then: what does what really resonates in Easter for you these days? Well, nowadays, I do actually see it as a story in three acts rather than just being about either Resurrection Sunday or all about Good Good mm. Friday, you know, all about the death, mm. um, you know, what Dallas Willard used to call vampire Christianity. You know, we just need the blood and the, and the resurrection becomes a sort of happy ever after story but isn't quite so integrated into it. Yes, yes. Now I see it as three distinct acts and each of them... You know, one normally resonates more. So we've got Good Friday, we've got Easter Saturday uh, and we've got Resurrection Sunday. Mm. And and Good Friday for me, it becomes an opportunity to meditate and focus on what's the fear I'm carrying? What's the death energy? What's the grieving I need to do? Um, You know, what what's what's really bubbling under beneath the surface? Because I think Good Friday gives us permission to grieve. You know, a bit, a bit like when... 
Princess Diana died. I, mm. I don't know whether you remember that. It's going back a long way. I know I remember many, it very well, yeah. many of our listeners, but you know, it was an extraordinary outpouring of grief. People were weeping. I remember uh, taking the kids to school. And people were just crying in the school, uh, you know, around her funeral and everything. And you're just thinking, well, I know you liked her, but this seems a little bit over the top. <laughs> and and it happens still when celebrities die. Mm. People people really grieve and it's like ah they're not just grieving the death of that person that no. it's given them permission to grieve everything that's going on and i think easter can be that for us it gives mm. us permission we don't have to put on a happy face we actually can go into our caves and into our dark places and a bit like you at the start of the podcast but even more so really go into it i'm grieving i'm sad i am angry i'm lost i'm you know all that stuff so i i think if we if we just discard good friday or miss it we're really missing a trick to do our souls some good this year mm. because i think it's really helpful to take some time out and 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 talk about that you know grief and death is before me all the time oh my goodness me yesterday i did two funerals one was a guy my age and the other so 56 and the other was a guy half my age 28 years old mm. and the despair and the darkness and the grief it's just always there and it makes me realize none of us know how long we've got there's so much difficult stuff around and you know i just try to ignore it and bounce across it and everything but it's not always the most helpful way to deal with things so i, th- I think you're probably far better at this than me with your personality but you know you you do at least allow yourself to enter there and i don't i'm too scared to do it sometimes. Do you know what I mean? It's like, what will happen if I really grieve this? Mm. Well, it doesn't feel like you're too scared. I mean, I, I think you may be yeah. downplaying your own ability. I, I think in the past, having known you for many, 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 many years, mm. I could see that. But I think you're you're a different person now. So, so the grief is one mm. thing, and I think that is important. Where's the life? Where does it take you be- beyond that? Well, I think beyond that is 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 Easter Saturday and the tomb and the darkness and the kind of, I just don't know. Mm. Everything is gone because Jesus, I always think when Jesus is on the cross, I mean, well, it starts in the Gethsemane, I suppose. He's praying and he's praying. I don't think, you know, if possible, take this cup away from me. In other words, he knows what's coming. Mm. He doesn't want to do it, but he's, but Jesus has the character to do what's right. I don't know whether I have, but Jesus did. And that's why he inspires me. And then he's crucified, which I think I'm right in saying was the possibly one of the worst deaths you could possibly suffer in the ancient mm, world. Mm, I mean, mm. pain, pain wise and slow wise. And and he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So it seems to me that if you allow yourself to enter this dark space, Jesus is having more than a mid-faith crisis at that moment. It's like, hang on. I've done all the right things. I've 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 kept true to your word. Why have you abandoned me? Why I mean oh gosh, I that, that chokes me up. It I mm. relate to that. I get that. You know, sometimes your reward for living the right way is to be absolutely screwed over. Mm. Mm. And it it doesn't seem fair. And then the tomb. <laughs> it's like wow. This story is dark. But thank God 
the story isn't over because death it, it is not the last word mm. it's just, it's just this is it. you if you live the way of jesus if you live in harmony with the universe, in harmony with God, in harmony with this beautiful ecological system, in harmony with one another, with reverence and respect for people and all living things, that might just get you killed. But don't worry, because <laughs> death is not the last word mm. at all. In fact, we can have complete hope to live the right way in the world because of the resurrection, because death is defeated. So I used to think, you know, when someone said to me uh, the first time, oh, you're perfectly safe in this, in God's world. You are perfectly safe. I thought, no, I'm not. All sorts of bad things can happen to me. So how can you say I'm safe? Well, no, I am safe. I can live on this earth in utter dependence upon the reality of God. And even if it kills me, it is still the right way to live following the way of Jesus because my life is eternal. It goes on. Mm. You know, the, and this is why I think I can be a funeral celebrant, to be honest, because sometimes it, you know, it drains the life out of me, if I'm honest. But still, I come back to, well, it's resurrection energy is the last word in the story. So all I, I I'm just doing this intermittent bit in someone's life story where where their bodies died. Um, but resurrection's a reality. Eternity is a reality. Life is a reality. And, you know, as we've said before, I, I sometimes think you know, God just is. Being just is. And being is eternal. So, um, so there we go. That's what Easter means to yeah. me. And I think it's wise to reflect on all three aspects. But I don't go to the joyous Easter Sunday experience as quickly as I used to. Because I, I know that sometimes I need to wait in, 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 in Easter Saturday to really feel it, to really process it, to really say, yeah, there's some things that are being put to death in me and that need to die. And I've been I've been trying to hang on to them, but actually I need to let them die because something good, something like resurrection is going to come out the other side if I do that. But all the while you try and hang on to everything, it can't happen. You know, a seed has to die and all that stuff. I think that's interesting that there's a lot in there. I think... Mm. The idea that different days of Easter mm. uh, mean different things to you at different times in your, your journey, I think is very true. I think when I was uh, younger, Easter was largely all about Good Friday. That was what yeah. it was about. Yeah, it was absolutely. all about sin mm. and death and the grimness. Mm. And then I think I moved to a point where it was all about resurrection, mm. which I, I think is the prime thing. And it's about. But, but then I think there were times when... The, the day in between is quite important yeah know, and the idea of waiting and the idea of mm. of absence becomes quite strong while you were talking i was struck by the idea of you know you were talking about jesus um crying out on the cross crying mm. out that lament psalm mm. it's a bit like the fish you know with the bit about the fish we were talking about <laughs> earlier there's been loads of theological sort of speculation yeah. trying to square the circle about why he yeah. would say that yeah I think the fact is he did say it. That's yeah. why it's recorded. Yeah, don't So that's right. the first thing. And the second thing is there's something immensely profound about the Son of God quoting a lament psalm at all, at yeah. any point, Yeah. let alone at that point. And, of course, we all know how the psalm goes on, but, but that's not really the point. The point is that it's it's like the consecration of lament at that point 
Mm. It's like saying there is a place for this, there is a time for this, and it's yeah. it's necessary. Yeah, you know, powerful stuff. I I think for me, yeah, I want to go that, that fish story. <laughs> not to keep going back to it, but yeah. <laughs> the testimony, the idea that there's testimony involved here. I think as I've gone on, I've felt more and more strongly about the reality of the Easter story and and mm. its physicality and its importance. The physicality of Easter. You know that it's bound up with the resurrection of the world and with rebirth, and I don't think there's any coincidence mm. that it it's placed in spring. You know, yeah. and that's not because I think that it's somehow coming yeah. from the pagan world and the Christians looked around and said, "Oh, look, spring, let's put the story there," because it happened at Passover. You know, that yeah. that's yeah. historically yeah. accurate. I think it's to do with God doing that, and yeah. and there's something absolutely profound in the idea that. You know, in Jesus was was light and life, as it says in John's Gospel, and that's the time when you really mm. experience that most strongly. Um, so I, I think for me, yeah, those three acts that you talked about, mm. what I've found increasingly interesting and I'm thinking about over recent years is the fact that in the in the liturgy, they're just one act. Mm. So I, I never knew this because I don't come from this tradition, but, but I've read about it. Um, in the liturgy, the Orthodox liturgy of Good Friday, which they call Great Friday, it doesn't end. Mm. There's no closing. There's no dismissal, no blessing. They have the Mass, but mm. there's no there's no blessing, no dismissal oh, at the right. end. It just sort of fades out. It's a fade to black. Well, it, it, it's, like a, it's like a pause, and then you get the intermission, the, the interval of Holy Saturday, which, mm. again, the Orthodox tradition calls the Great Sabbath. And, Interesting. And... Yeah. The point about it is there's no liturgy for that day at all. Nothing. Yeah. Because you're supposed to experience, as it were, a world without Jesus. Yeah. Desolation. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. The, the, the church the world the church knows is dead. Yeah. Um and there's an absence of Christ. And then at sundown on, on the Saturday, which is you know, the old fashioned way of measuring when the days began, you get the Easter vigil starting. Mm. Um uh, the, and the, that's called the Great Vigil, and you get the lighting of the candle, mm. you get all that stuff mm. in Jerusalem with the holy fire and all mm. that kind of stuff. Mm. Whatever you mm. think about that, the symbolism of it is a creation of life yeah. coming back. It's an act of creation, light returning. And then it ends on, and that's where the service eventually ends. It ends with that, oh, yeah. another communion and another uh, uh, blessing. And then you get the blessing and dismissal. So it's like a three-day piece of liturgy with a Three great gap service. in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds, oh, like, sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, it's it's one thing. So the three acts are one yeah. thing, yeah. one play, yeah. And they're all bound up with one another, mm. and they're always operating in our lives. Yes. Death and waiting and rebirth. Yeah. And that's the pattern of life. And yeah. that's the pattern of life. And that's yeah. the pattern of the world. And mm. and. That's what we participate in. And it all comes to the focus, very much a focus at Easter. But I think it happens all year round. It's, it's an eternal kind of presence yeah. really with us. Yeah. And again, going back to our listeners who we mentioned at the beginning, we know there's some people, sometimes it's not three days. I mean, wouldn't it be nice no. if it was three days? But for some people, they are going to be stuck in Good Friday for a bit of a season. Yeah. But new birth, new life, 
it comes it's the pattern so try and trust in it and hold on it's very easy when you're in a resurrection sunday moment to look at people in a good friday and offer sort of platitudes that aren't going to help at all um but it's helpful for us all to realize as i realize good my good friday will come around again no doubt yes, might be yes. might be health might be something else who knows what's around the corner but you know i will trust in the final word which is new birth and eternal life mm, yeah. great yeah and mm. the word that the early church used for the easter celebration pascha mm. which it comes from passover but also from the the greek paso which means to be handed over to be acted upon which i talked about a few yes times. you did but yeah. it, what i found was interesting in latin it has two meanings uh, pascha in latin has two meanings it means that it means yeah. uh, passion but it also means passage as in journey so there's also this journey going on there'll always be yeah. this journey uh, yeah. of uh, moving through it uh, in, d- in different stages and being in different days so helpful yeah great so listen i've got i've got a quote ah to end with which i think ties it up okay great how bit. like you to have a quote <laughs> well it's from so you know yeah. i don't know a lot of this stuff about literature. i read it and it's from a, yeah. a, a there's a great book by a man with an unlikely name of philip fatiker who wrote uh, <laughs> who wrote a book on it, which I'll put in the show notes here. But he he says this about the the Easter vigil. He says this. He says, In the great vigil, we participate in events beyond our understanding, death and resurrection in a wide context, brought to a focus on a hill and in a tomb outside Jerusalem. Passover and the moon, the natural world and human worship bound in ways so deep that their full comprehension is now hidden from us. That's really good. And I think that's what we've been talking about this episode. The natural world and human worship and church Mm. and gardens and really Mm. and and death and resurrection and life Mm. and spring. Mm. And I think the best way to end this podcast is to hear the chiff chaffs again. Oh, excellent idea. So do we get to say to everyone a very happy Easter to you all? We do. And may you know... The joy that is coming of Resurrection Sunday. And if you are in Good Friday at this moment, our hearts are with you. They really are.